this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. This is Mike Dilk and thank you for joining me on this week's Relax Back UK show. In making the show, I continue to be amazed at what medical science can do for people. And this week's show is absolutely no exception. So the way we do this is we use tiny platinum coated wires, um, so thinner than the inside of your biro pen, going deep into the brain. And we take great care and attention to put these in safely and accurately. Then we connect it all up to a battery, which usually sits just underneath the collarbone. Brain stimulation, been described there, is a treatment for Parkinson's disease. Mike Hart is a consultant neurosurgeon at St George's Hospital London, and Abdul Rashid is a patient who's had deep, who's had the deep brain stimulation procedure. We have a fascinating chat with them, and then the next topic is multiple sclerosis and MS nurses with the health professional director of the MS Trust, Paru Naik, and Becky Wash, who has MS. There is no doubt that this is about quality of life. This doesn't stop people from working. This doesn't stop people from living their lives. However, they need to adapt and they need to learn how to adapt to that. So please do stay tuned for a great show. Thank you. The station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing, a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things, make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with Zero Zilch Zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. So, we start with Parkinson's disease and focus on DBS, or deep brain stimulation, which is a treatment which has helped an awful lot of people. The guests are neurosurgeon Mike Hart and Abdul Rashid, who has Parkinson's and was diagnosed in 2013. I started by asking Mike, what is Parkinson's and what causes it? Yeah, so Parkinson's disease is a neurodegenerative condition, meaning that key parts of the brain uh, progressively die off over time. Uh, so while we are still trying to understand exactly why people get Parkinson's, it's a highly active research area. Uh, the current belief is that it's a complex mixture of environmental triggers and a genetic susceptibility. In terms of how this right. manifests, um, it typically affects the motor system, so that's uh, problems with movement, and the key features are that of tremor, uh, slowness, stiffness, and difficulty walking. But we now know that there are 
many other uh, features and in fact over 40 symptoms are now recognised affecting all manner of diseases of the nervous system. Okay, 40 symptoms. Right, I hadn't realised it was quite as sort of wide-ranging as, as that. Um, Abdul, have you, 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 you've been living with Parkinson's disease for a, a while now. Have you experienced any of these sort of 40 other symptoms? Well, I, uh, with regard to the 40 uh, other symptoms, I think, I think uh, part of the problem of, of that is the diagnosis, you know. But because I had the symptoms for a very long time, and then um, it, it took almost up to six years before I was uh, identified mm -hmm. as a, uh, you know, okay. a, a Parkinson uh, sufferer. So I, I, I do, I do suffer from um, slow movement, rigidity, uh, uh, fluctuation of, of, of ability to do things. Uh, small tasks becomes really difficult to do, and. Um, it almost, it almost, uh, you know, the body shuts down. Really, uh, almost right. feels like somebody kind of switched off the, uh, lift off the, um, the electricity, and 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 then and your body's not working anymore. All right, and it, it's it's surprisingly prevalent, isn't it? How many people actually suffer from this? Yeah, Does anyone know? So it's approximately 145,000 uh, people in the United Kingdom and 10 million in the world. Um, so we're looking at 18,000 new people every year and every hour, two more people being diagnosed. If you look at uh, okay. a group of people alive now, one out of every 37 people will have Parkinson's disease in their lifetime. All right. So it, it is a worldwide problem, as you said. Is, does it tend to be a first world problem? Uh, you know, are there any differences in, in countries and how frequently it's, uh, it appears in different countries, different parts of the world? Yeah, you're right. It's uh, a condition that uh, tends to occur more frequently as one gets older. Uh, this is in keeping with lots of neurodegenerative conditions. The longer you live, the more time there is for uh, degeneration to occur. So countries where the life expectancy is longer um, will have more uh, people with Parkinson's disease in them. And in addition, countries whose life expectancy is increasing um, well, should also expect to see... Uh, more people with Parkinson's disease being diagnosed. Right. Okay. So it's becoming more and more of a worldwide problem as hopefully all our life expectancies increase uh, somewhat. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So now, I mean, there are drugs that can um, control it and, and, and help with it. But uh, I think sometimes as time goes on, they become sort of slightly less effective. So other courses of action might be needed. So Ab Abdul, um, has that been your experience? Yes, absolutely. I mean, initially, I started with medication, you know, and uh, as 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 the uh, symptoms kind of progressed, I, I took more and more of the medication. But there, there but there were um, there were mainly three problems with the medication in my case. Uh, of different people react to, to this medication differently, you know. Uh, and then the problem number one was that the. Um, um, uh, I could not really have a good night's sleep, you know, with the mm -hmm. medication, you know. So I was, I was almost, I was almost what they call on, you know. I was almost active all the time, and my mind would not switch off at night, and I had problems sleeping. Uh, secondly, it was the um, what the what they call the uh, the um, fluctuation between on time and off time. So. Uh, 
and that could happen instantly. Uh, so I'll be talking to you and I'm okay. And then suddenly I, my, my body will kind of shut down and I won't be able to function. I won't be able to walk, I freeze and so forth. But, but uh, what I understood then is the medication, uh, really they could not, uh, they were having uh, inconsistency in, t- in terms of the, uh, the, the, the effect they were having on my body. And the, uh, as I come to the end of uh, uh, a, a, a dosage um, period, then then I will have uh, uh, my symptoms will get uh, a lot worse. Okay. And 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 the third thing was that the the medication itself they, they have uh, side effects, you know, negative side effects. And in my case, with it was the sleep, and also um, I was addicted to to shopping. Was <laughs> I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were addicted to shopping. Yes, which I I I don't like shopping to be honest. But so, suddenly I was I was buying stuff that uh, that I didn't need, and it was identified as a uh, I developed kind of a uh, a compulsive uh, 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 a compulsive kind of disorder. Disorder, almost you know, buying and and and, and mm. I understand also the, the medication. It wasn't my case, but I understand that some people. Uh, uh, gamble or, mm-hmm. or, uh, or you have a negative. So, th- so this is a, a, a no- these sorts of things are a known side effect of some of the drugs for Parkinson's, are they? Uh, yes, I, that, I believe so. I mean, uh, Mike will, will is, is in a better place to comment on this. But, yeah, um, yeah that's that absolutely the case. Right. Okay. Interesting. So, anyway, you presumably, along with the uh, doctors that were were helping you, decided to go down a, a different route. So what 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 what, in, what was that route? Explain to us a, a, a bit about the, the what happened next. Well, um, taking more medication in my case wasn't really uh, sustainable, you know, the, because the uh, side your effects... house would have filled up with rubbish you didn't need <laughs> from being a shopaholic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, more rubbish, yes, <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, I, I was. Um, so that wasn't really su- uh, sustainable, and uh, but but the other the other thing is. Um, I, I was reacting positively to the to the medication, and that that's a kind of an indication that you are, you are you are almost a good candidate for, well, among other things, among, among other tests they carry out, the the the, um, the, the ability to uh, sorry, the if, what I understood is that if 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 you are responding uh, well to medication, then that that you are a good candidate for uh, right. deep brain uh, stimulation. Right, so this was this was the next step in your sort of treatment course. So yes. this this sounds so just to someone who I don't, I don't really know about Parkinson's, and I'm not really a medical person at all. Deep brain stimulation does sound quite a scary sort of phrase. So perhaps, perhaps Mike, you can explain what exactly it is and whether we should be a bit wary of it. Um. Yeah. So deep brain stimulation is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, It's providing a small amount of electricity to deep centres in the brain uh, to treat symptoms of Parkinson's disease and other conditions too. So the way we do this is we use tiny platinum-coated wires, um, so thinner than the inside of your biro pen, going deep into the brain, and we take great care and attention to put these in safely and accurately. Then we connect it all up to a battery, which usually sits just underneath the collarbone and make all the wires under the skin so you can barely tell unless you were looking for it. So this uh, battery gives little pulses of electricity uh, to the brain 
and this helps reset some of the pathways in the brain that have been affected by Parkinson's disease to make people's symptoms better and hopefully improve their quality of life. Okay, goodness. Right, loads of questions about that, because mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds uh, amazing, fascinating, everything. But when, when your patient is um, on the operating table, uh, presumably he's under a general anaesthetic, how do you know which bit of the brain to put the wire into? Yeah, great question. We take a lot of care to make sure it's exactly right. The targets we're aiming I'm for. I'm glad to hear that, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure I've done this as yeah. well. But... And it's, um, it's a challenge that we like. You know, we spend a lot of care and attention doing it. It's very satisfying because the targets we're aiming for are one to two millimeters across, something like that, centimeters deep in the brain, next to some very vital structures. So imaging is very key. We use a lot of advanced imaging, so MRI scans, CT scans to see where we are. Uh, we use a special frame often, which is attached to um, the head, a bit like a halo. Um, and this helps get our coordinates right, a bit like using a compass. And then the final thing is um, people can do this surgery awake. It's absolutely fine. And then you can map out using electricity exactly where you are. And so the patient's awake on the table, you give electricity and you can find out what... Um, type of functions are nearby so you can put your um, magic wire as you call it in exactly the right place okay so during the operation you can kind of get a, a feedback loop from the patient absolutely so that's well recognized now every center that does this operation does it slightly differently some places do it fully asleep some places do it awake i've done both they're both absolutely fine in fact thinking about it i'm sure i've seen something on the tv with a, a patient having an operation and he was asked to uh, I think recite a nursery rhyme. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, his reciting of the nursery rhyme got better and quicker with fewer pauses. And they were using that as a feedback loop. So yeah, right, that's the, that's the correct part of the brain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That sounds absolutely right. The amazing thing about the brain is it doesn't actually feel pain itself. So you can be very comfortable having somebody operating on it. I suppose that is nature because, you know... Um, as we've developed, if, if if something is kind of rooting around in your brain, it's probably game over. So you don't you don't need to know about it. <laughs> I've but, got to say I hadn't thought of it like that, but uh, I like it. Okay, so Abdul, can did did you have a general anaesthetic when you had this done to you? Oh yes, I was asleep. Yes. Okay. I, did, but, I didn't want to they, see anything. But they 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 the, the surgeon got the right part of the brain for you. And, yes, uh, they did, and, uh, and I took part of uh, the, 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 the operation was in two parts. Uh, first, uh, on the Friday, they, they put the machines in, well, the, uh, what I call the electrical rods in my head. And then uh, the weekend, uh, my the, the, the wires that it's uh, kind of coming out of my, my, my brain were that, that was used for some some advanced um, experiments which I took part of, mm -hmm. and then and then on the Monday they they uh, they finished up the job by uh, connecting the bat you know putting the battery in my chest and connecting the battery to the uh, to the machine in my in my head. Okay, so does does the battery in your chest does that deliver uh, a tiny electric pulse to your brain the whole time or? does it somehow know when it's required and just deliver the pulse then? Um, yeah, I, I can answer that. Um, so traditionally it gives you um, a constant pulse throughout the day and that's exactly what you want. You want it to smooth out 
um, your treatment. So Abdul talked about these times when he felt on and off. That's what we're trying to uh, ameliorate and have more on time, less off time, particularly at night, for example, when you wouldn't be taking your tablets. Now, the second part is you talked about this feedback when the device can sense how you are and can adjust itself, um, for example, over time, day to day, because symptoms fluctuate day to day and then over years as um, things change. And that's exactly the sort of research that um, Abdul was talking about, what we're doing, learning how to listen to the brain and then adjust the stimulation. Is it sophisticated enough that it can adjust the, uh, the feedback to the brain sort of without any intervention? Um, we're just about at the stage when that technology is coming out and learning to use it and it's going to be refined. So I think that's going to be a big breakthrough in the coming years. Okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Now, Abdul, have you, are you, have you stopped your, your shopping for odd things? Yes, yes, actually, that, that, that did work, yes. With, uh, okay. I, I cut back on the medication, so I'm, um, I'm no longer buying useless stuff on the internet. That, that, that's good. <laughs> but on, on a slightly more serious note, I mean, all, all, all sorts of you know, medical interventions can have side effects, but have, well, two questions, really. Can, are, can side effects happen from this sort of uh, intervention? And also, have you personally experienced any, Abdul? Uh, you mean the uh, side effects of the DBS? Yes, yes. Do, you know, do you start feeding other symptoms? You know, does it, I don't know, affect your balance or or anything like that? Mm. Not really. No. I mean, initially I was a little bit uh, concerned about sleep, so I thought, well, if there's a machine in my head, uh, you know, uh, working all the time, you know, that 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 could affect my sleep. But it didn't actually. My sleep improved, so there there were no negative side effects of the DBS. Very good. All right, sounds like a big success uh, story in your case. Uh, Mike, uh, do, do any other patients have side effects? Yeah, you're right. Like any treatment, there can be side effects. And it's part of uh, my job and others to minimise these side effects, make it as safe as possible. Uh, nevertheless, um, when any person is going in with, uh, going ahead with the treatment, you need to make sure that going in with their eyes open have been had all the possibilities discussed with them and that's one of the strengths of the procedure is there is time to discuss have conversations and uh, allow the person with Parkinson's to make up their mind about um, how they view the potential risks and benefits for them as an individual okay but so I mean uh, uh, do you have any examples of the sort of side effects there might be or or is, is that a bit of an unfair question because actually it could be very varied it is very variable um so it, it's tricky to answer that exactly. Sure, sure. Well, actually, one thing that I, I, I should have asked earlier on, you, you were talking about sometimes um, the treatment has to be tweaked um, a little bit and you were getting to the point where uh, the machinery, if you like, could do its own tweaking. But if, if you have to go back and, and tweak it just to make it work a little bit better, what does that actually mean? Does that mean changing the kind of um, the electric current that's going to the brain or do you have to change the position of the wires in the brain? Yeah, um, good question. So we can actually change where the current is going in the brain already. So we can direct it in different areas uh, from these wires. So they can go out in like different um, wedges um, depending on where you want to stimulate. And the battery itself is very clever already. It can give you uh, more electricity 
um, but it can also give it to you in slightly different ways and different timings as well. It's not just a battery in that regard, it's what we call a pulse generator. So we're still learning um, how these different settings from the battery can affect people at different times. Changing the wires itself is um, more difficult. That's a new operation, essentially. But um, learning to feedback, depending on how the disease changes or symptom changes and changing the battery settings, we can do that with the system in. I mean, this is absolutely fascinating uh, stuff. Now, Abdul, I, I did read, and we we have this in common, that you're a, you're a civil engineer, is that right? Yes, my first degree was uh, civil engineering, and I did work for, for a bit in civil engineering before I changed into information technology, yes. Okay, so now what I was leading up to is, have you have you been able to go back to work? Uh, no, my my, uh, my condition uh, really didn't, didn't allow me to go back in, 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 into work, no. Okay, but you can lead a, a full, uh, useful and, and productive life, work to one side. Um, well, uh, well, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a kind of a scaled back, uh, uh, curtailed, you know, I, I would mm -hmm. find it difficult, for example, to, uh, to go out by myself because I'm worried about the, uh, the occasions where my body shuts down or, uh, so if, if I'm going somewhere now, I need someone to be with me and, uh, also at home, I'm, um, I need someone to kind of uh, to help me with, with a few things. Okay. Um, I'm not. I'm not really. Um, I'm not uh, fully fully functional uh, as an as an independent uh, person as I was before before the disease and you know. But do do you feel that having the DBS treatment has uh, has helped you? Yes. Well, it, it did. It did help me. Uh, but I'm also optimistic into the future that 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 uh, maybe you know because it has a different different settings and different programs. Um, maybe we'll be able to, to tweak it a bit more uh, for me to 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 reach an optimum um, kind of an optimum uh, position in, in terms of the uh, of controlling the symptoms. So sure. I'm still I'm still having I'm still having the. Uh, the symptoms uh, and DBS is not claiming that they, they will do away with these symptoms, but I haven't reached yet a point where whereby uh, I, I felt I'm feeling that I'm a lot a lot a lot better. Okay, all right. Well, look, good good luck with that. And um, if people are listening to this and you know want to find out a little bit more, either because they have Parkinson's or a member of their family or a loved one has Parkinson's, something like that, or actually just because it is fascinating. Um, where can people find a little more information? What would be a good uh, resource? Uh, I, I'm not sure who would be best to answer that. I think Mike would be better. Okay. Yeah, I can uh, answer that one. So fortunately, there are many excellent support groups and charities out there who have an abundance of resources. So, for example, some helpful links are parkinsons.org.uk, cureparkinsons.org.uk and workforgood.co.uk. There's also... PD Connect helpline where people can call you back to discuss uh, over the telephone and know that there are many others as well so apologies for any I may have inadvertently missed. Um, we work hard to try and have local open days, support groups and events on as well so we're making a real effort to reach out to uh, the Parkinson's community and also to help supply as much education as uh, possible. There really shouldn't be any limit to um, how much education is out there. 
Right, well, look, thank you very much indeed to you both. Uh, so thank you, Abdul, and thank you, Mike, um, for, for chatting about this today. It's much appreciated. My pleasure. Thank you. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing, a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things, make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits, and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with zero zilch zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. The next guests on the show are Paru Naik, she's Health Professional Director of the MS Trust, and Becky Wash. She has MS and she's based in Romford. Now the main drive of our chat is nursing and how good MS nursing can really help people get on and keep a, a, a fun, fulfilled, creative, useful life while living at home and really learning to live with MS so it's it's mainly about the nursing side of MS but I did start off by asking Paru if she could just tell us or, or remind us exactly what MS multiple sclerosis is. Yes well basically um, MS is a condition that affects the nerves in the brain and the spinal cord it's a, a lifelong condition it's usually diagnosed in people in their 20s and 30s but it can be at any age it can cause a wide variety of symptoms, including eyesight problems, fatigue, balance problems, altered sensations, cognitive issues. There are, we've just done a, a, a self-reported estimate of how many people are living with this. And, uh, and it's showing there's 140,000 people living in the United Kingdom. And it affects more women than it does men. Um, there's a wide range of disease modifying treatments. There's 14 plus now on the market. So it's complicated, but there's currently no cure. It's a debilitating okay. disease. And it, women suffer more than men. Yeah. Did, does anyone know why that is? I don't have the facts around that one, but uh, there no, those are those. No, are so it's, it's, that's yeah. just bad luck. Bad luck for women as far as MS is concerned. All right. And so. 140,000 in the UK. Does it tend to be a, a first world disease or is it prevalent all over the globe? That might be an yeah, unfair no. question. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's certainly a problem in, in the United Kingdom, but it is north of the equator as a, as a, as a problem. Um, but there are some statistics to show that as, there's, um, uh, as people migrate that uh, into the Western world that they are starting to suffer from, um, from multiple sclerosis. Oh, really? Okay. So, so it, it, might it be could be, yeah, it could be an environmental thing. There are many factors. Right. All right. And so you, you mentioned lots of different symptoms. The next mm. question might be better to, to Becky, actually. Do those symptoms tend to change from person to person or also from time? Do they change with time as well uh, for the same person? Yeah, I mean, I have a friend who's got MS and um, 
RMS has similarities, but it's never the same. Um, everybody's experience is different. Um, it's completely unique to you. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's nice to be able to share similar experiences, but, yeah, it's never, never identical. And does it change for you from, you know, month to month, week to week, or even, you know, day to day? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, one day I can have, like, really bad nerve pain in my leg, next day I'm completely fine it might be pain in the morning and then not in the afternoon um or it could be a whole month you know it, it just you, you never know when something's going to happen and um right. when it's going to come up but for me it's all about managing my condition to prevent that from happening right so do, do you kind of get a feeling when something might be about to happen and you can try and head it off at the pass is that part of the learning to deal with it doesn't look Not like really. it, the way you're struggling. Once it's, once it's there, once it's there, it's there. And um, you just got to manage it from that point, basically. Um, at the moment, um, I have a pain that comes in my leg um, and that might um, flare up a little more because I've done more walking than normal. Um, it might be because I'm tired. Um, so, um, but it's not necessarily there all the time at the moment, which is great. For some people, it might be there all the time. Right. Okay. Now, so for people that that have this, I mean, we're talking to you from your home. You live at home. You run your own business from home. I can see we're talking to you in your 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 home office. Um, yes. There's a, a network of MS nurses throughout the UK uh, to help people like you. Is, is that is that is that correct? Yeah, I've always had an MS nurse. Um, I was diagnosed in two thousand and nine, um, and uh, once I um, sort of got assigned to my hospital, as it were, um, I decided I wanted to take disease modifying drugs. Um, and so I was introduced to an MS nurse who helped me um, at the time it was injections. So they showed me how to do that. Um, I don't see the same nurse, but um, I see a team of nurses. Sometimes it is the same person and they really help, um, you know, with the symptoms that I'm going through, they will discuss it with me. At the beginning, I didn't see a nurse very often um, because I didn't need to. Um, and then when I changed um, the drugs that I'm on, um, it meant that I saw a nurse more regularly. So now, well, I started seeing a nurse every three months. Um, and then, of course, lockdown came in and that all changed. So the nurses come to you, do they? Or do you go to them? No, I go to them or would have gone to them at the sure. moment because of lockdown, it's on the telephone. Um, and that's kind of fine because normally when I would go to see the nurse, um, my condition as it is at the moment, I perhaps don't need a physical examination. It's more just a chat and a discussion. Um, but um, uh, other people might want to see a nurse more in person. But for me, the telephone conversations are fine. Um, the biggest thing for me is just knowing that I can contact them if I need to, if I need to speak to the nurse, they're there. Um, and likewise, the nurse is able to communicate with my GP. And um, if I have gone to my GP, I mean, on one occasion, I went to my GP to discuss um, some MS stuff and they Googled it in front of me. They literally Googled what I was right. saying. And I just thought, you thought, yeah. well, actually, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, so, I can do that from yeah. home. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Let, let me just ask probably Paru 
a question about the, the actual nurses. Are, they, are these specialist nurses? So what, what's the training involved? Are, are they nurses who then decide they want to specialise in MS or how, how does it work? Yeah, that's right. They, so they've, they've trained in general um, nursing um, and then they decide that, you know, um, multiple sclerosis is the area of specialism they'd like training. We offer a foundation course, which is a five day residential course twice a year. We've got a waiting list for it. So we're going to increase the capacity. But, you know, in the early years of training, they they do the foundations and they also network with other like minded nurses um, and therapists as well. It's not just nurses. So um, there's an opportunity there. And then we also have an annual conference. We're about to have a face to face conference where I was very excited about it, I have to say. We have over 300 health professionals come together. It's going to be the end of March. And um, they network. Uh, they, we have a big education program. Um, and they learn from each other. And also they support each other. Um, because, they, you know, one of the things that's really um, worrying for us is that they're dealing with these increasing caseloads. Um, you know, where there are areas that where one nurse could be looking after a thousand people with MS. And, you know, that, that face-to-face interaction and that ongoing support is just not possible for them so yes they do need training and it, it, it's available is, is, is there a number actually this is probably a, another impossible question but I'll ask it anyway is there kind of a number of patients that an MS nurse can generally look after yeah there, there is um, so we've we've done a calculation around that and the sustainable caseload is 315. Now, okay. the average NHS uh, England caseload has come out as 472. So that's still much higher um, wherever you look. Now, eight in 10 people, as you said, uh, living with MS are in areas where their nurses are carrying much higher caseloads than is um, possible to, to maintain. Okay. So, so th- there's a basic requirement for more specialist MS nurses, it sounds like. There is. There absolutely okay. is. There's 149 needed across the United Kingdom, additional. Okay, tomorrow. So you could you could use 149 tomorrow. more nurses tomorrow. Absolutely, and that's a really good Goodness point right. because this, this is not a five-year problem. This is a problem now. Okay, so is and does that come about because regular nurses uh, aren't volunteering to specialise in it, or it's be, or become? you know, not quite such a thing they want to do, or, you know, what's brought that about? Does anyone know? It's still attractive to them. They do a fantastic job. They're going above and beyond what's required of them. And so they're exhausted. You know, after COVID, there is a, there's certainly burnout, and we're hearing more about that, but being more and more stretched because of the number of patients on their books, now, the disease-modifying drugs, there's 14 of them, you know, um, it's taking more of their time, they have to monitor it. And so those with progressive MS are being lost to, the, to services. Now, our surveys show that high numbers of nurses are considering leaving MS nurses in the next five years. One in three MS nurses are planning to retire in the next five years, and one in five MS nurses are either considering or actively seeking roles outside of MS, and it may be even outside of nursing. Um, it just means that workforce planning is, needs to be an important consideration. And, uh, and that's what we're looking at, training and experience um, and taking them from novice to expert. Okay. So, something that Becky mentioned that I thought was interesting, she said that in, in some instances actually brought about by COVID, quite often you've, 
you've been chatting to your nurse on the phone, Becky. Um, yeah. And, and you said in some instances that actually worked quite well for you. Does does that work quite well for the nurses as well? I'm just wondering if there's a potential opportunity there. Uh, like, so a nurse could deal with more patients if they were like Becky and she could talk to them on the phone. Is that something you're actively kind of pursuing, Paro? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, virtual versus face-to-face is, um, it, it is an NHS consideration and a service consideration. Obviously, within that, that it's an individual thing, whether that suits people. You know, if yeah. their disability is such that they can't get to a phone or they can't get to a camera and you can't see what's happening with them. Um, and then there's also a, an urban-rural thing that goes on. So, you know, how do you get out to, to people who are, you know, in real rural areas when you haven't got capacity? Our statistics show that one in three nurses are able to get out to home visits. So there's a big shortage there. But um, no, absolutely, this is something that needs to be scoped out and uh, with really clear criteria. So for someone like Becky, yes, absolutely. I think it works really well. Yeah. And one thing that's become kind of apparent, apparent chatting to Becky is that, you know, she runs a business from home. And so as well as being an MS sufferer, you know, she is a contributor to society. I, 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 well, perhaps I shouldn't ask if you pay your taxes, Becky, but I, sus- I, I suspect, <laughs> yeah, I suspect, you know, you run a business and you pay your taxes. And this is partly made possible because you get the help from an MS nurse. So um, it kind of seems like a very useful thing to keep going um, because, you know, it just, it helps people. And actually it's a, it saves money uh, and in Becky's instance makes money for UK PLC it would appear in the long run I can see you're smiling Perry do you kind of agree with me I'm absolutely I, I mean looking at Becky and I, I can tell you she definitely pays her taxes but um, <laughs> it, there is there is no doubt that this is about quality of life this doesn't stop people from working this doesn't stop people from living their lives however they need to adapt and they need to learn how to adapt to that and see what the resources are available out there. And this is, and also be, you know, have some guidance and be navigated to other services. It may be social services that need to help. It may be they need help with their, their pension. It may be that they need help with their, um, you know, working allowance, uh, you know, or living allowance. Um, there are so many things that we can help with. Um, and I, I think it's really important that they can open up their lives to specialist nurses. This is what happens, you know, and especially we found if they've got a named nurse and it's continuously the, you know, the same person, they forge a relationship, which is obviously has the professional patient relationship, but they can really help navigate their lives and live them, you know, live to the fullest. It's really important. Right. Right. And, then, and presumably these, these nurses, if they, if they realise that the patient needs help with something that, you know, isn't quite in their skill set to provide, they can then put them up with the MS Trust um that can help with other things as well absolutely we have a an inc- so we we develop a lot of information very factual information this is guided with working with health professionals uh, and we have an expert team in-house but we've also got a free inquiry service so um you know you can ask questions whatever you're you're, you're thinking about whichever part of your life that you're struggling with um you said we could plug so i'm going to say it's the 0800 032 number Monday to Friday nine to five leave a message if there's no one on the line we'll get back to you straight away and uh, or you can email at ask at mstrust.org.uk 
UK. And it's not just for people living with MS. Of course, health professionals, if they're struggling with their caseload, which we've now identified and we will be going out to them, but contact us um, so that we can help you with a business case, help you with service improvement and, and help you, you know, in, in what you're struggling with. Um, and you can contact us at hbteam at mstrust.org.uk. Right. I'm going to get you to give those details uh, one more time at, at the end. But before that, I just want to ask Becky a bit more, going away from your MS, uh, uh, ask you a bit more about your business. Because I can see you are your office is an awful lot tidier than mine. It looks like your business is very well run. You can't see down here. <laughs> um, but what do you what, what do you do? What is your business, Becky? Um, so my business is called Retro from Scratch, um, and I set it up a good eleven years ago um, when I had a full time job as well and MS, um, and my job was um, under threat of redundancy. So I thought, oh, I need a backup plan, and then I managed to keep my job and set up this business, which is making notebooks from recycled books. Um, so like this um so i take old books that and didn't work terribly well for radio becky you just want to work well for radio <laughs> sorry so i take old books and i um replace the pages inside with diaries notebooks planners you name it baby books recipe books everything okay and uh, it, it sounds like it's going quite well yeah it's been doing very well um so i was able to leave my full-time job to do this so i'm very fortunate although it is down to hard work but um part of that as well was because of my ms to be able to i can manage my ms so much better working for myself because i haven't got a boss uh to uh ask for permission <laughs> to have time off and things like that and um and also it just gives me that freedom to be able to go to appointments and things and not have that worry so yeah it's sure. um Fantastic. All right. So do you does your business have a website? Give that a plug. It does. It's uh, retrofromscratch.co.uk. Um, and you can see all the things that I make on Instagram, um, which is retro from scratch. Brilliant. All right. Thank you. OK, uh, so finally, Parid, please, can you just give the details for the MS Trust? Uh, if people are listening to this and thinking, right, you know, I, I need some help or I want to find out a bit more for a family member or a loved one, something like that. What's the best yeah. thing for them to do? So um, call our inquiry service. It's on 0800 032 3839, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, or leave a message. Or email ask at mstrust.org.uk. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll just add that presumably you can use those contact details if you are calling because you're very wealthy and would like to donate some money to the MS Trust. Uh, that, well, that I was just coming on to that one. <laughs> All right, go on then. Absolutely. So we need 149 additional nurses in, in the United Kingdom. We, um, we pump prime really um, and put additional nurses in and we pay 80% of their salary. 80 pence in the pound um, is, goes directly to uh, people with, with MS and supporting these services. So, and we don't have any government funding. So of course we're absolutely reliant on donations. So um, that will be absolutely brilliant. It won't take too much to actually solve some of these problems. Very good. Right, Haru and Becky, uh, thank you very much indeed for chatting. I think that, uh, you know, it, it's gonna help a lot of people. Thank you very much to my guests on this week's show. And they were Mike Hart, who's a consultant neurosurgeon at St George's Hospital, London 
and uh, Abdul Rashid. He's a, a Parkinson's patient. Both of them were talking about Parkinson's disease, but in particular DBS or deep brain stimulation. And then we had Paru Naik, he's the health professional director of the MS Trust, and Becky Wash, who has MS, talking about MS nursing in particular. So thank you very much to them. And of course, thank you to you for listening. the Relax Back UK show with me, Mike Dill. Thank you for listening and please do join us again next time.